Welcome to FileMaker Talk, still at the Rome FileMaker Week, and I'm here with Heidi Porter. Hi. So you, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of like some of the connections you and I have. Uh, we're both working on some of the same databases for Oregon Public Health, which is interesting. I think we've known each other for 20-ish years, I don't know. And you are a regular visitor to Europe. Yes, I love Europe. I love being here. I love travel. I'm kind of addicted to travel. Yeah. Yes, I, that's <laughs> definitely a bug I have as well. And, um, and you go to a lot of the conferences over here. Yeah, we really appreciate the European FileMaker community. They're always on that cutting edge of uh, trying out new things and new integrations. So it's, you know, we really appreciate it. And it feeds the tra- travel bug, too. <laughs> uh-huh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, this, you presented a session, which you've done before. You're a total security nerd. And it was both informative and terrifying for me in the room. And so I wanted to chat with you about it and kind of get a few highlights from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what particular aspects scared you the most? Well, uh, a we, couple. We, you know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so uh, a couple of the hacks, like some of the advice that you gave about like password security. I'll tell you the first one that really terrified okay. me. You had a slide that I loved, and it was how long it would take for current hardware, current like uh, hacker packer hardware yeah, yeah. to attack a password of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twenty, thirty characters. Yeah, and so, you know, people often think we're going to make this as complex as possible. We'll make six characters. But, you know, the less characters you have, the faster they can hack it and the simpler it is, et cetera. Um, So it's an interesting chart. I think some people have seen it before. So longer is better, uh, more complex or uh, easy to remember, but different kinds of characters or different capitals, that's a good thing. Um, And putting commas in if your system allows it is a good thing too because... I love that one. Because, um, you know, the hackers have these, you know, they're using these tables that are comma delimited. And so, you know, that can really mess them up if you have a comma in your password. Good to know. Yeah, save someone. (laughs) I downloaded a pass uh, a data data table and I put it in FileMaker of I think the ten million uh, common username and password pairs to attempt to hack, and Uh and you can just like go to the middle of it and see everything, and then you can look for your own password or something close to your own password. So you were looking into this, (laughs) yeah. I think after your last (laughs) session, uh, a couple years ago. So uh, back to this one. So what? Do you remember the slide? Like, is it seven, eight, nine, ten? Which? What's the the maximum number of characters that can be hacked basically instantly? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I yeah. think it was like 10, 10 11, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then at twelve, it would take five minutes, and at thirteen, it would take. Yeah. 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 And then, so what would you and recommend? Fifteen, twenty, thirty? Uh, as many as they allow, I think, would be the best. But you know, use some common phrase that you know. Stick some characters in there. Um, you know, zeros instead of O's can be good, or ones instead of I's, that I, kind of thing. Yeah. I thought it was just about length. And if you take a it, phrase it in all yeah. lowercase uh-huh. with nothing except for the words, uh-huh. and it was like the middle of a Shakespeare poem or something like that, it actually could be pretty secure. Yeah, it, that, yes, that's true. Yes. Yep. Yep, that is true. Yeah, but I think, I think the message is length is really what it's about. So like yes. a, a super yeah. complex password that's only eight characters long is going to be hacked. Yes, yes, yes. And I told the story in the talk about, um, you know, it's a kind of a, a sad but an interesting story of 20 years ago. Um, one of the 9-11 companies had lost a lot of employees, all the ones that knew the passwords, and they were able to guess the passwords just as a group of people because of personal names or pet names or you know, um, significant dates. And so people don't do that anymore, we think, but um, 
don't do it, right? Don't use personal names, don't use pet names, don't use spouse names, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, now that we have good practices in place and we can't even know what our users' passwords are, uh-huh. um, yeah, who knows if they still do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but the other thing is, is now, you know, now we're talking about passwordless. Now we have uh, multi-factor authentication. So passwordless is, you know, that you don't use a password, you use something you have or something you are. And that's Mm -hmm. less hackable, right? Or multi-factor, you're going to have your password plus something you have or something you are. And so, Mm. um, you know, there are some ways around that. There's the the $5 wrench attack. I don't know if you've, although it's probably $10 now with inflation, but yeah. I actually bought one of those devices that allowed uh-huh. you to do a Wi-Fi spoof thing. So you could you could grab an existing mm-hmm. Wi-Fi network and you could make a copy of it um, with a similar name, like uh-huh. you know, like Hotel Two or Hotel yeah, Free. Yeah. Yeah. And then it would capture all of the data that was unencrypted from all the users using the Wi-Fi. Oh, did you do this after the uh, conference that we don't talk about? That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it was $50? I don't know. It was really cheap. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm not sure where that thing is now. Yeah. So uh, another one that you said that terrified me was that um, I've always believed that the, the multi-factor authentication ones that send you a text pretty much couldn't be hacked because you got your phone and no one can really find out what the, app, the text is. The apps or, the, or send you yeah, like a, your SMS messages. Yeah, the SMS messages where you have a where it, you type in your password, it sends you a text, you type in the four-digit, six-digit code, whatever, and then you can get to the site. Tell me how that can be hacked, and it's terrifying. So there's, um, yeah, I didn't talk about this much, but, you know, if someone SIM swaps you, that's one way they can get your text. They have control of your phone. So um, what's a SIM swap? SIM swap is um, someone, you know, and it's probably easier with eSIMs, uh, bribes or, you know, uh, otherwise compromises someone at the phone carrier and they basically get control of your phone number. So now they have control of your phone, basically. So this and would be so, a very targeted hack. Yes, this would be a targeted hack. Um, but you have you hear it about a lot with crypto these days. People do it because mm-hmm. people have their crypto um, wallets on their phone. Uh, but it was uh, a thing that happened before that. But the other way, we the video I showed um, with the um, where you put in a password. So basically, you're email fished, right? So you get an email. It sends you to a site, and this is might be hard to visualize if you can't see the email. But everybody knows about email phishing. You click a link, it takes you somewhere. It looks, it tricks your eyes into thinking you're going to the real site. You put in your credentials, and then. Um, We'd ask you for your uh, one-time password or your SMS or your text, mm-hmm. and you put that in, and it grabs the attacker grabs your um, session token, right? And so, so, so it can get to it, you know it can get right. through. If yeah. we step back a second, yeah. it wouldn't know your cell phone number. So would you have to type that in? It, so it the, doesn't have to. It, it, if it you you are so that we're talking about not the sim swap one we're talking about okay, the, yeah, yeah. the te- you know just where you type in your password and then you type in your one time code and right. you're on a bad malicious URL right and so it would uh then be able to uh grab the session token and get into your account which right. might not be yeah. a big deal for linkedin but might be a bigger deal for uh, Fidelity or um, yeah. Fidelity uses push-based authentication, actually. But 
um, some other site that, you know, is your financial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So it was something like if you, the, the hack can copy the whole entire URL, which actually has your token already built in, use that into another browser yep. window, another yep. computer, and yep. then it bypasses all of the other one-time password stuff. Yep, yep. And so they're in your LinkedIn. And um, yeah, and so maybe LinkedIn, is, you're not concerned if it's hacked, but maybe there's other accounts you would be concerned that they're hacked like that. Yeah, but yeah. They, that was an actual uh, man-in-the-middle attack that was out there with LinkedIn for a while. Um, and, you know, people get a lot of LinkedIn emails, and so they just click on it, right? Yep, yep. That's yep. for sure. So what would be your, your, some of your best advice to us FileMaker nerds out there to protect our stuff? We're not really even talking so much FileMaker-specific, but just, like, as IT people, we are targets. And what are some of the things we should be doing? Like, for example, password managers, things like that. So password managers, and the FileMaker database is not a bad ba- password manager. I have to disagree with you, yeah. but... <laughs> you, you, you do, you do. Okay, so why oh, do you... I think it's terrible. Okay. Uh, okay, let me ask you a question. Okay. You have worked on how many databases in the year? A thousand? Oh, I don't, I don't Hundreds? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But let's... So let's to continue my question... The, I'm not going to recommend that... Okay, no, I'm going to continue my question. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm sure in every single FileMaker database for every single customer, you have a different password for your account, right? No. Me neither. No yeah. one I know does. <laughs> and so if you're going to use FileMaker as your password manager, you'd absolutely have to have a different password for that. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I... And I yeah. And the file would have to be encrypted at rest. Yep. All the other best practices. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But then it doesn't actually have the automatic site tool. Like the, the LinkedIn hack that you talked about a second ago, if you were using one password, it would have recognized that's not LinkedIn and it would not have put your credentials in. Yeah, I haven't used 1Pass, so I'm, I'm not... Yeah, so that's what you use is yes. 1Pass? Okay. Yeah, so 1Password, when you go to a website, okay. it actually knows it's the real site. Right, so it's and kind then of like it, an authenticator app where it... Yeah. Yeah, so it, it checks to see if it's okay. the right credentials, the certificate, okay. and then it just automatically puts in your username and password, then you just click log in. Right. So not only does it make it more secure, but it makes it simpler. Right, right. Okay, so I... Yeah. So maybe that would be better to use than uh, like a database or some other encrypted file. Yeah. yeah. Although the you know the database and the other encrypted file. I mean, how many people? I'd, I'll ask you out in the in the world. How many people use Excel or a text document to have all your passwords stored? Raise your hand. You know you do it. Well, so here's the other thing though is you're talking about. So my my other thing I do is I always type in the website, not always, okay. We can never be absolute, mm-hmm. but type in the website, don't click email links. That's kind of my, my you know, the, so the three top ways that attackers get in are uh, phishing emails, you know, mm-hmm. bad websites. And so if you bookmark the sites or you, uh, you know, type it in yourself here, you, you know, you have it saved there, yep. then that will prevent that. And so, you know, that's kind of a similar thing to one pass. I'm checking that it's yep. the right one. Uh, the second thing is unpatched software. Uh, and so making your so- sure your software is up to date as far as your iOS and your OS, et cetera. And um, the third one is weak passwords, like we talked about already. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And reuse passwords, of course, don't do that. And don't reuse passwords. And pay attention when it says your password has been compromised, that kind of thing. So... Yeah, yeah. And, and you had an interesting... So you had thought I said to change passwords regularly. And so we were talking about you don't really mm-hmm. need to change passwords unless they are compromised, right? If they're working, it's not broken, why fix it, right? 
Yeah. So yeah. if you see, like, if you see a legitimate thing that says we discovered that our site was hacked, yeah, yeah. And then you well, actually, what I do is I go to another browser uh-huh. that's not logged into anything because yeah. I use Gmail. So, yeah. And then I open up like uh, another browser and then I type in the address of the place, uh-huh. and then very slowly and carefully log in and look for the message inside the website uh-huh. to see if it says yes, we've been hacked, and then I change the password. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I, I guess I would say if you haven't changed your password in 20 years and you're still using pet names and personal names, you should probably change it. But yeah. otherwise, yeah. Yeah, but if you have like a 40-character random generated password yeah. in a password manager, keep it forever. Yeah, right. Unless they're, you know, unless we get quantum computers and they can do it, hang, doing it just like that, right? Yeah, except, I mean, so many sites also have a thing, like FileMaker now has a feature yeah. that maybe people don't know about, that uh, if you attempt to connect to a FileMaker server, I think it's 10 times, and you and the password's wrong 10 times in a row, then it automatically puts in a 10-second delay for that account. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. Uh-uh. I think it, I think it works for both FileMaker client and... Uh, WebDirect. So basically, it prevents the it prevents a complete like yeah. a dictionary attack dictionary. because it adds that delay in, which makes it really impossible to try a million or a billion passwords. Good. Yeah, and that's actually another thing is you should have some kind of uh, limit to try your passwords on your phone and your iPad and wherever else you can do that, so that you know if someone's trying to get in repeatedly, it stops after ten times. Because we would hope that you would not try to put your password in 10 times wrongly. Right? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever done that. I've definitely done four or five. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So you got to know yourself, right? How many? Yep. Yeah. But then I'll, I'll wrap this one last thing. You do say that there are certain sites that you should really change your password regularly and you had a good reason why. So I said iCloud and I said, was it iTunes or i. Yeah, so, I mean, iCloud has been, like, iCloud was vulnerable to the Log4j issue. You know, I don't know. It's just me, nothing against you, Apple. It's just uh, those kind of accounts are, you know, widely targeted, right? And so that's right. different than my personal account, right? Or right. my, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe Facebook. Kind of, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but the ones that are secure, like you'd expect Fidelity, you know, you'd expect like brokerage sites would have really good policies in place. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ones I like actually on the financial are where there's um, anything, you're, any transfer you're going to make, they allow you to, you know, add some second factor on. And so that to me is how all the um, standard financial institutions should be doing it because, you know, what do most people want? They want money, right? So... <laughs> Yeah, me. Yeah. So, um, you know, those are the best. I mean, I, I don't tend to think most of the financial institutions have the technology yet to have that on everything, but the ones that do are good ones to use, in my opinion. I tell you, moving to Europe, uh-huh. uh, trying to get money from the U.S. to Europe is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, ATMs are super easy, and if you find the right ATM, it's totally the best way to do it. You can just get cash. But if you want to move money into account, like to pay rent or something, mm-hmm. it is hard. No, I have accounts at many U.S. banks, and none of them have international transfer features at all. There's yeah. just no, no way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of sites... Uh, I'm trying to remember which ones. Yeah, PayPal doesn't do it, but there's a couple of sites and, and um, accounts that actually really do, but they take they have limits that are so low. Mm-hmm. You have to really kind of slowly do it. Well, how do you ever have to deal with this issue? 
Uh, I haven't had to deal with it. No, not yet. Well, Possibly any, at some point if I'm ever... Anybody who moves to Europe is definitely going to have to deal with this. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time. This has been great. Thanks, Matt. Fun talking with you. Fun seeing you here. Enjoying the Italian uh, culture. Best coffee I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs>